Thanks for joining us today for the Eagle Drive Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Chris Thorne. Eagle Drive is a Bible-believing New Testament Baptist church where Jesus is preeminent and the gospel of grace is at center stage. We are devoted to connecting with God, growing together, serving others, and sharing our faith. If you would like to know more about our ministry, visit EagleDriveBaptist.com. Now, here's today's message. All right, everybody have uh, notes tonight? <coughs> All right, let's go ahead and jump in. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. <coughs> go ahead and turn there. We'll go ahead and read through it all tonight, and then we'll uh, we'll jump into the action. So um, let's go ahead and start. Uh, let's go let's start in the back. Back right. Wait. So verse 1, let's go all the way down up to verse 20. Okay? You get to start, Wayne. Ecclesiastes 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Verse 1. Just just verse 1 and then all the way down the line. Yes, and then the next verse in verse 2. Maybe she's starting there. Maybe. Dead flies cause the apothecary. It's a weird name. To send forth a Seeking a savior, so those I a little follow him that is in uh, repentance for wisdom and honor. Good job. <clears throat> he has it up on the screen. It's on the screen. If you yeah, it's on the screen. If you need help, see a little bit better. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity and the rich set in low place. I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the world. The earth. He diggeth a pit he that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whoso breaketh a hedge a serpent shall bite him. Those removing stones shall be hurt therewith, and he that leaveth wood shall shall be endangered thereby. If the iron be blunt, and he do not whet the edge, then must he put to more strength, but wisdom is profitable to drift. Surely the serpent will bite without enchantment, and a babbler is no better. The words of a wise man's mouth are glorious, but the lips of the fool will swallow up his The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. Yet the fool multiplies words, though no man knows what will happen, and who can tell him what will come after he is gone. <coughs> the laborer of the foolish wearieth every one of them, because he knoweth not how to go to the city. Will the land when thy king and child and thy princess eat in the morning? Blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles, and thy princess eat in due season for strength and not for drunkenness. By much profitfulness the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hand the house droppeth through. A feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. Curse not the king, know not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. All right, very good. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this day, Lord. I pray that you be with us tonight as we dive deeper into the subject of running away from foolishness, um, going against the trivial in life. Lord, I pray that you just help us to, again, focus on what you're trying to teach us. Lord, these principles are so um, applicable for all of our lives. And Lord, uh, many of us struggle with this area of foolishness and, and chasing things that really don't matter that much in our lives. So God, I pray that you'd help us to learn and uh, gain the wisdom that we need to gain from Solomon and from this passage here tonight. Lord, we love you in Christ and my pray. Amen. Amen. All right, <clears throat> let's dive into a couple questions. Um, my voice sounds bad. I just have allergies and stuff tonight. 
I'm really not sick. I just, I sound bad. All the drainage. Um, what is the most foolish thing you ever purchased? I talked a little bit about my most foolish thing or one of my most foolish things. So let's go ahead and start with that question tonight. What is one of the most foolish things you ever purchased in your life and why? Anyone want to share? Stephanie. Brand new motorcycle. Brand new motorcycle. Why was it foolish? What in the world do I need to look like? <laughs> <laughs> Just asking. <laughs> yeah, for fun. Ours was bigger than that. What's that? Ours was a swimming pool. A swimming pool. Oh, oh, In-ground yes. swimming pool. In-ground swimming pool. And 30 years after the kids was gone, we still had a swimming pool still in the backyard. <laughs> you guys still probably swim, right? Every day. No, three years ago, it went away. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> What else? What else? Some foolish purchases. A rainbow vacuum cleaner. A rainbow vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Why is that? Well, it sounded good whenever they came in and done it. It got all this dust stuff, but how often do I pull actually pull it out and use it? Should use a vacuum cleaner. I mean, that helps. I mean, it's got water that you gotta (laughs) add to it when it gets nasty. You gotta Mm -hmm. dump it out. Yeah, I understand. It's, I understand. You dump it out every time. It's either it's you don't it's 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 Exercise and stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They're great close ears, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's true. What else? Maybe one or two more. <clears throat> Maybe a foolish purchase that you've made in your life. Found out a few shopping sprees I shouldn't have gone. Shopping sprees you shouldn't have gone. They were so worth it all, right? they kind of were. But I shouldn't have done them. Yeah. I get it. What about this? This, a little bit. Same line, but more challenging, and some might not answer it, but that's okay. What's the most foolish thing you've ever done? What's the most <laughs> foolish thing you've ever done? It's probably a lot. It's probably a lot. It is. Let's just let's just put, pick one. Just pick one. My first marriage. Your first marriage. Yeah. Break the ice there. Totally got married for all the wrong reasons. Mm. <laughs> yep. Mm. Okay. Oh, I didn't realize it was him who said it. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What's the most foolish thing you ever done? Most foolish thing you ever done? Drugs. Drugs? Yeah. What else? Joined a motorcycle game. Joined a motorcycle game. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. I think everybody knows. What else? Everybody. Michael. Most foolish thing you ever done? <laughs> New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. <laughs> Go ahead and expand on that. Um, For those that didn't hear. Oh, yeah, you're done. <laughs> so, there was a New Year's Eve party here, and uh, we were filling balloons with helium. And uh, a while ago, I had seen a helium tank in the storage closet here. So, I was like, okay, I'm going to help out. I'll go grab it and start filling up balloons and speed up the process. So, I'm filling it up, and the balloons just drop into the floor. Like, not going up, like, okay. And Natasha Googled if helium expires. No, it never expires. It shouldn't be fine. It's whatever. So, being the smart person I am, I was like, well, I'll just test it out. So, I put my lips on the nozzle and suck in some helium. And the second I do that, I like, oh no, this is not helium. And But then I, when I say that out loud. He's been sucking helium all his life, so he knows the difference. <laughs> when I say it out loud, my voice drops. Like, very low. And we start looking at the tank, and it happens to say refrigerant. <laughs> and not helium. So I brought in the new year uh, in the clouds, I guess. Was was he a little little up there? A little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. That's... That's, (laughs) That might be many people's story. That's good. Anyone else? Anyone else want to share? I mean, that was a good story, but... What's the most foolish thing you ever done? Nope. I know. Just one, Ryan. You said there were so many... Just one, Ryan. Well, the problem is I don't remember both of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can ask your wife and she can share, right? I'd rather she I'm sure there's a record of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
somehow <laughs> government records or something. I'm sure. Oh, I got the coolest thing I've ever, ever done is to uh, bought a bush mower. Mirror makes me use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't be foolish for sure. All right, let's. Uh, one more question. We'll, we'll start diving into it. Uh, what are some things in life that really, maybe as you get older, you realize that they were trivial? So, what are some some things in your life that you would might that you might consider trivial? What are some things in your life that you might consider trivial? It's one of those things where maybe at the time you didn't necessarily consider it trivial, but looking back in your wisdom, you just realize it's just trivial, meaningless. Yes, Maddie. A new car. A new car. Why? Because I'm spending so much money on this stupid car when I could just buy a crappy one for $2,000 and it'll still last me 10 years. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. That's I'm good. No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Hopefully you learn from that. Okay. What else? What are some things in, in your life maybe that you would consider trivial? College. College. Maddie, we'll just let you Bing say that. <laughs> <laughs> Turn the mic over to her. Don't persuade her. Yeah. What else? What else? Come on, people. You guys want to share. I know you do. Some things in your life that you consider trivial. Family events. Family events. <laughs> Not being hateful. Not, I get rude. it. I, I, very... I understand, Mary. Yeah, that's fine. What else? What else? I think when we don't get birthday gifts and stuff to me, that's just trivial. I mean, oh, yeah. just, it's nothing to me. There's a lot of people out there that want. Make a huge deal out of it. Yeah, yeah. make a huge deal out of it. Yes. I mean, to me, it's just trivial. It is. It's, it's just another day. It's a day yeah. I was born, but. Yeah. It is really just another day. Yeah. As long as there's ice cream cake, that's all I care. Really. <laughs> <laughs> if there's not, my wife will be under the bus again. Uh, what, what else? What are some other trivial things in your life? Those are good. Anything else? Material things. Material things? You got a few examples? Clothes. You need some, though, right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not going that direction. Right? <laughs> no, I hear you. I understand. I understand. What else? KitchenAid mixers. Kitchen. Oh, <laughs> Getting deep now. <laughs> Maybe in your life, but. Who needs two? Uh -oh. Uh -oh. This one breaks? I can justify it. Chuck's after. She's going to leave y'all home next time. We've got a KitchenAid mixer, and then at one time we had a KitchenAid, and then we had two hand mixers. Because we have the KitchenAid because he uses it when he processes meat. It has an attachment on it. Oh, nice. Do and we have that attachment? <laughs> 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 oh, it's good. I want to throw in laundry detergent. Laundry? No, no, that's not trivial. Oh, that's necessary. Nope, necessary. Not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> These are great questions, but I'm just going to go ahead and jump into it tonight at this time. So, as I said this morning, a little foolishness often can override a lot of wisdom. And even if you're the most competent person in the world, even as the case was with that Flight 401, um, really those pilots were very competent. They knew how to fly the plane. They knew what they were supposed to be doing. But they were so focused on something that, yes, it was important, but what was most important? Flying the plane. Making sure the plane flew. And then they forgot to focus on that for just really, it was two to three minutes. And in that two to three minutes, it caused them to crash, lose their lives, and almost 100 people died because of that. And again, it's so often in our lives, it's so true that as the illustration was this morning, you know, we're steering towards darkness and we don't even know it. We're chasing after things that we think are valuable, but really are just trivial, are meaningless, aren't really important. And Solomon, in his youth and all the energy that he had, uh, he was a wise king, but folly, foolishness, trivialness distracted him from really doing what he should have been doing and really derailed him um, from a magnificent reign that he could have had. And really, I wrote this down, a biblically thriving Christian life can sometimes be derailed by something as futile as a burnout $12 light bulb because that's all that that light bulb costs for that plane, 12 bucks. And 12 bucks costs 100 people their lives. In life, we need clarity. We need clarity to make wise decisions, to determine what's important. 
And that's what we've been trying to focus on the past several weeks, to determine what is valuable in our lives. And I hope this has been an encouragement to you. Uh, we're wrapping up here in just a few more weeks, but it's been very helpful to me and very challenging. And as I said this morning, uh, some of these passages are very you know, convicting for myself because I realized, especially this morning, how foolish I am in life. And it's very easy to look at someone else and like, oh man, they're foolish. But sometimes we don't often look at ourselves and think how foolish we are. It's almost easy to spot the fool in others, but do we spot it in ourselves? And Solomon is really trying to, like, really all of God's word is, is our mirror to look into it to see what things are working, what things aren't working, what things need to be improved, uh, what things need to be corrected upon. And there's really three things that we're going to kind of focus on tonight. There's several points, but three main things that we're going to focus on. And what Solomon is doing is he's trying to, in a sense, help us cauterize or stop the bleeding of foolishness in our lives. And this takes some determination and requires to be vigilant in three specific areas. Here are the areas. Our reputation, our influence, and our opportunities. So those are the three main things we're going to look at in this chapter tonight. Just a little bit different aspect than this morning. But our reputation, our influence, and our opportunities. As I said this morning, our reputation and our character can easily just go out the window, right? With one foolish decision, one foolish act... All of a sudden, our reputation is gone. Our character is gone, and we might have spent a lifetime building it up, but all of a sudden, it's ruined. And then it takes a lot longer to try to build it up again, doesn't it? When we make that one foolish decision, one foolish action. And as we learned this morning, foolishness brings disgrace. And these first three verses where we, where we mention, you know, foolishness stinks. You know, we talked about that in verse number one. <clears throat> in verse two and three, everyone knows that you're a fool. I mean, the fool just, I mean, it's blatant with their actions. But the, the key question, or the, or the key point of this is this. Trivial distraction destroys valuable reputation. Trivial distraction destroys valuable reputation. And that's what we learn here in these three verses. As he said, just one fly in the ointment can cause the whole ointment to, to be useless, to be no good, to, to cause it to stink. And we have to realize that a valuable life, a life that is following after God, following after wisdom, is a life that chooses, I think we have this in your notes, self-control. This is very important. It's very important to have self-control in life. So let me ask this question. Why, is, why do you think it's so important to have self-control in life? Marcus. Buying things you don't need and doing things that you shouldn't. Yeah, buying things you don't need, doing things you shouldn't do. It's very good. What else? Maybe what, what do you think it's so important to have self-control in our lives? It teaches our kids. They see it in our actions. Yeah, teaches our kids, and they see it. They see how we act and how we react, and that's very we good. What else? Avoid danger. What? Avoid danger. Avoid danger. Yes, very good. What else? Maybe, what are some other reasons why it's good to have self-control in our lives? Okay. Practice moderation. Practice moderation. Okay. Just keep you from doing stupid stuff. Yeah. <laughs> keep you doing new stupid stuff or foolish things. You know, again, these three three verses specifically are talking kind of about our reputation, but let me ask this. Why is reputation important? Why is reputation important? Because that's your testimony. Yeah. It's your testimony. It's who you are. So, again, if as a Christian... We are called to be wise, right? So let's, let's put this in comparison. The Christian is called to be wise. We're not called to be fools. But how often do we act foolish instead of wise? And in our foolishness, do you think it, it helps the testimony of Christ? Or it hurts the testimony of Christ? It hurts. it hurts. So again, we have to realize that in our own foolishness, we're not just hurting ourselves. We're hurting the reputation of Christ. We're hurting uh, the reputation of a lot of other people. And again, that's why it's so important to practice self-control. We've learned here, listen to this, we've learned the truth that God is in control of all, right? I think we all know that, we understand that, that God is sovereign, He is in control of the universe. But did you realize that God has left you in control of certain areas? You know what I'm talking about? Your behavior, <laughs> your action, your responses. Uh, no, go something ahead. that popped in my head, those little practices of self-control during a heated moment, you're able to show better control than the normal outcome during a heated moment, and that shows a lot of testimony. Oh, yeah. Because you don't just blow up. Exactly. 
revert from it and steer the whole situation in a different direction. Exactly. And really, with that, I mean, a fool blows up. <laughs> a wise person learns to not just, you know, push it all in so that they're going to blow up later, but they learn to realize what is valuable, what is trivial, what is important, what is not. But going back to what I was saying, we're in control of our decisions, our behavior, and our responses. You know, it's very easy to justify, it's very easy to make excuses for our actions, for our behaviors, but who is the one responsible for those things? Us, right? As an individual, you are for you, I am for me. And that's what God has left us in control of. And in reading these verses, we have to understand that, as I said this morning, even small things have what? Consequences, right? You know, we, perfect illustration this afternoon. I mentioned Nate this morning, and well, Nate got in trouble again today. He was back talking to his mom, so his mom had to get on him. And there was consequences for that. He, he lost his iPad, and it was kind of comical. I was in the other room watching, uh, I think, the, the game, but uh, I, I could hear him out there, and all of a sudden he's like, I think no one needs to lose his iPad too. And he was like going off of why no one needs to lose his iPad. And it was pretty funny because it's like, in his mind, no one needs to lose his iPad because he's watching weird stuff. He's like, he was watching Barbie in dad's office. <laughs> like on his iPad, I don't know, it was whatever. But the, the point Nate was trying to make is that it's not fair that I lose something. Noah deserves to lose it too. So Mandy used it as an opportunity. Like there's times where Noah does lose things. Even last night, he had to get a spanking because he disobeyed. He got in trouble for things. But... That's the thing. We're in control of our actions. We're in control of our responses. Even when things don't go our way, we are still in control of how we respond to someone. And a wise person will respond in wisdom, right? But a foolish person will respond in foolishness. A foolish person, again, we'll get to this a little bit later, could care less in a sense. They just throw, you know, caution to the wind. They don't really care about their emotions. I don't really care if this hurts anyone. I'm just going to say it. How foolish is that? It's very foolish. And again, I've been that person. You've been that person. You probably met some people like that in this room tonight. We've all been that person where we, you know, I don't really care. But again, is that the testimony of a Christian? No, it's not. And that testimony hurts not only our reputation, but it hurts Christianity as a whole, right? It hurts the cause of Christ because, oh man, if, if you act like that and other Christians act like that, why would I want that? Well, that's the God you serve. I, I don't want that. We see our action affects a lot of other people. It's like the sin of Achan. It affected his whole family in the story of the Bible where, where his sin, it didn't just cost him, but his whole family died, right? Because of his actions. So we have to understand our actions have consequences. Even a small blow up, a small disruption, a small fight still has consequences. Just like a dead fly can ruin a whole bottle of ointment. And again, if you're a Christian, you have to understand that people are watching you, whether you like it or not. When you tell people you're saved, when you tell people you're Christian, you tell people you go to church, they are watching you to see if you're actually backing up what you're actually saying. Oh, you go to church. It's, it's, it's almost funny how the world knows more about the Bible than we know, or they know what we're supposed to do, right? Now, they don't act like that, but they know what we're supposed to act like. So in, in some ways, it's a good thing because they're calling us out. So we have to realize that they're watching us, and our credibility as a Christian can be sullied or damaged with stupid or foolish choices. And again, Solomon talks about that in these verses, and he, he uses that metaphor of the, the right hand being strength and the left hand being weakness and dishonor. A fool's reputation precedes themselves. There are many Christians who are foolish because their reputation precedes themselves. And the truth is you cannot hide being a fool. And as I said this morning, and we'll go on, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. It's very important to have self-control, to guard our actions, to guard our responses. We continue in verses 4 through 9. It's self-control being tested. Self-control tested. Now let me ask this question. It's kind of a challenging, it's a personal question, but when is your self-control often tested the most? Our kids act up. Kids. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably one of the top reasons for those that have kids. What else? When is your self-control tested? Angry customers. Angry customers. Rarely happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> work? Yeah. It's work in general. What? Husband. Husband and wives. Very good. We got that all I Whenever I'm driving down the road, other people. Mary, that's in the past. It's in the past. 
Right down the road with other people? Yeah, other other people around me. Yeah. That's when my self-control is tested the most. Yeah. What else? Mine too. What else? When's your self-control tested the most? When I need to go to bed. When you need to go to bed. Why? Because I, I'm so exhausted, but I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to stay up till 3 a.m. Oh, awesome. It's great for you, isn't it? No. No, it's not. It's not. I, I can struggle with that too. But Solomon is referencing here in these verses, he's talking about foolishness in the high places. Let me go ahead and read these, and I'll, I'll reference them and kind of explain what they're talking about. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in the low place. I have seen servants upon horses, and princes walking as servants upon the earth. It's kind of flip-flopped. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Whoso removeth stone shall be hurt therewith, and he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. So again, he's referencing foolishness in high places. You know, we can spend a lot of time talking about politics, but there's a deeper practical lesson application within this. It's very easy to lose self-control when someone in a position of power mistreats us. True or false? True. Yes. You think about that. If someone in power, a position, authority in your life mistreats you, often your response is not, uh, it's okay, it's no big deal. Your response often, you lash out at them because they mistreated you, right? How dare they mistreat you? Who do they think they are? Do they not know who I am? And that's really, that's really the application that Solomon is getting at here. We often lose self-control in these situations. Now, there's a difference between trivial mistreatment and significant abuse. If someone is abusing their authority, okay, they need to be called out. But if it's a trivial mistreatment, something that we just didn't like, oh, they made me do extra work, and I just didn't like this, so I'm going to go off on them. They're the boss, right? They have the right as the authority to really tell us whatever they want to tell us if we're working for them. And you know, in, in the generation that's coming up, it's like they, they just expect everything, right? It, it's a problem, but we have, to, we have to realize that as a fool, a fool cannot distinguish the difference between a trivial mistreatment and significant abuse. To a fool, all is the same. And so the fool often fires back in self-defense and stirs up strife in the most trivial matter. And we probably all have a story about that, where we just, you know, something happened to us, whether it was someone in authority or not, someone in our life, you know, a, a friend, a relationship, whatever it is. And really, when you look back, it was a trivial thing, and yet we just went off, right? We blew the top. We flew off the handle. Look, I, I have played the fool countless times with my wife, right? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> countless times where... I blew up, I reacted at something that really wasn't that big of a deal. Now, to me at the time, it was a huge deal. But I look back, I'm like, man, how stupid was I? How foolish was I? You know, I, pro I may have referenced this, I may not have referenced this before, but in our first mar year of marriage, um, Amanda did something, she'll probably remember this. Amanda did something, uh, she made dinner, and uh, what was it, tacos? Yeah, it was tacos. She remembers, see? Yeah, see? Wives remember. They don't get hysterical. They get historical, remember? I've said that before. I've said that before. It's true. It's not Bible, Ryan, but it's close enough. <laughs> but in our first year of marriage, she made some tacos, and uh, you know, I'd asked for some cheese, uh, you know, some of the, the canned cheese uh, to pour on there, and Queso, yeah, yeah, thank you. Couldn't think of the word. Um, whatever. It's in Calm down. So I asked for some queso uh, with the tacos and everything like that, and, and she started pouring on. I was like, oh, that's not enough. And then, and then she just dumped like half the bottle in there. Exactly. You'd be mad too. Calm down. So she dumped like half the bottle in there, and really, it was kind of in a you know flirtatious way. She was just having fun. I was mad. <laughs> I was very mad. You know what I did? I got the keys and I left. I did partly because I think I thought okay, we've only been married about a year, year and a half. 
I don't want to say something foolish. I'm just gonna leave. Mistake. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I support you. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was more foolish. But again, I'm using that as an example. It's funny. It really is. It's a great story that we share now. But how trivial. To me, it was a huge deal. How dare you ruin my food? Yes, sir. You didn't say anything. You just got up and left. Basically. <laughs> Right? <laughs> I mean, I thought it was wise. It could have been. It, it was when I got back, but <laughs> for that 10 minutes, I mean, it was. <laughs> thought I did. Thought I did. <laughs> I'm, 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 what? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of totally. I'm kind of totally opposite there. Cause if she'd have dumped a half a can on mine, I'd have been like, oh yeah, more cheese for me, right? Well, that's what you'd think, but to me, it's like it ruined the whole meal. Like I can't eat all that cheese with I me, mean, cause it was more cheese than meat and salad and all all this stuff. So I'm like, oh, I was so mad. And again, it's funny, but it's trivial, right? And we all have stories like that. That's why we have to understand. Listen, we have to understand what God is trying to teach us in his word. And again, there's been many instances that I've probably avoided because instead of in a trivial situation responding in anger or wrath or just flat out stupidity, I responded in grace. You know what? It's not that big of a deal. Let's laugh it off. And I should have just flung the cheese back at her or something. That's what I should have done. Ten-year-old, you know, Chris, he has a lot to learn, you know, a long time ago. But here's the truth. What happens when you feel attacked? What happens when you feel attacked? You want to attack back. Defensive. Defensive. Defense right? mode kicks in. And again, isn't it, isn't it almost, it seems like, well, it's about every day I feel attacked, right? I feel attacked in a relationship, at work, uh, I feel attacked at church. So our, our natural response is just self-defense, right? I don't really care what the situation is. I'm just, I'm just, but is that, is that right? No. When you think about it, look at it. When you think about it, you know, there, there are some causes and reasons, okay, to, to, to be defensive on, on some things. But, again, that, that was a situation I shouldn't have been defensive. We could have easily worked that out. And really, when you think about it, there's a lot of situations that come our way that probably could be worked out if we just communicated right, talked about the problem in a civil manner. A wise person, listen, a wise person can discern between something that is trivial and something that is important. That was trivial. That was folly. That was foolishness. That wasn't important. Important might be running out of gas, okay? Let's, let's look at that side. She didn't run out of gas. No dinner for him. But I'm saying, I have leftovers. It's okay. Exactly. That's probably what she's doing. That's probably what she's doing. That's not even an important thing. That's not even an important thing. But you understand what I'm saying? There are certain things in life that are more important than others, right? And some things are just trivial. They're foolish. And a wise person, how do you how do you become wise? Well, it's important to be in church, in classes like this, being discipled, growing in God. But it's very important for yourself to be doing your devotions, reading your Bible, praying. That's how you learn. But I look at my own life when I'm, if the times in my life where I haven't been in God's word, I haven't let God speak to me, I acted in foolishness instead of wisdom. But the times where I was really close to God, when a situation like that presented itself, I acted in wisdom and not foolishness. But a wise person can discern between the two. A foolish person knows no difference. So again, which one are you? Don't answer out loud, Marcus. Which one are you? <laughs> Which one are you? A wise man holds his heart in place while a fool throws it out indiscriminately. You know, imagine, here's a practical illustration. Imagine someone that's wrongfully pulled over by a police officer. A fool is going to just fly off the handle, escalating something that shouldn't be escalated. But a wise man will learn to temper his spirit and respond with control and respect for that authority. And this is the same as applied in all areas of life. Look, we've all had stories where we've just flown off the handle. But we have to learn to distinguish the difference between the two. And as I said this morning, wisdom does not eliminate all negative contingencies. 
It doesn't mean we're not going to have any negative consequences in life. But wisdom does give us great advantages in our life. And really, there's a great story to share with this. It's the story of Nehemiah when he was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And there were two men, Sinbal and Tobiah, that were trying to, to get him to come down because they didn't like what he was doing. And I love what Nehemiah's response was. Verse uh, 3 of Nehemiah chapter 6, it says, And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst, whilst I leave it and come down to you? So he's basically saying, I can't go anywhere because God has called me here to do this work. So we have to realize that God has called us on this earth to do a work. And we don't need to come down until the work is done. We don't need to be so messed up in our minds with trivialness and foolishness that we get derailed from the cause that God is calling us to do. Wisdom, advancing his gospel, right? But again, how often do we choose folly, foolishness, trivialness over wisdom? And that's where that self-control is being tested. Now get this, and I don't know if it's in your notes or not, but we have to remain focused on what's most important. We have to quit getting so caught up on trivial foolishness. Next point is this. Trivial words destroy valuable influence. Trivial words destroy valuable influence. So the three things we're focusing on primarily tonight is this. Our reputation, our influence, and our opportunities. In this section, verse 10 through 14, all about our words, our influence. When the trivial becomes treacherous, it destroys our reputation, and next in line is our influence. It's like the story that was shared this morning of the axe and the, and the woodsman, you know, just sharpening the axe, just doing something like that. That's, that's important, just sharpening the axe. It's going to make the job go a lot more uh, easy and efficient. But here's the truth. If you expend your energy responding incessantly to trivial hurts or foolish people, listen, you will exhaust all of your energy, right? And there's been so many times in my life where a foolish person lashed out at me. And in my own foolishness, I lashed back out at them. And I exhausted all kinds of energy lashing back out at them. Did it do anything for me? No, it just depleted me. It, it zapped me of the energy that I had. And it really, I lost my influence. Because when you fly off the handle, even though someone else is flying <laughs> off the handle, if you fly off the handle on them, what kind of influence can you have over that person? None. So again, think about this year. The theme for this year is what? Impact, right? Trying to make an impact. Can we truly make an impact if our influence has been cut? Because we've just flown off the handle, and we say whatever's in our mouth, and it doesn't really, I don't really care who's in the way. No, you can't have an impact. And I, I didn't honestly necessarily know where we'd be at the, at the time of year, but really it's, again, it's another perfect lesson understanding how to truly make a proper impact. When we lose our influence, it's like trying to cut a tree with a dull axe. A loss of influence equates to losing your cutting edge. And here's what happens next. You'll make a big mess, but not much of a difference. So yeah, the tree might come down, but it's going to make a big, big mess because the axe is dull. But what if that axe was sharpened? It would come down a lot easier. Folly, foolishness reduces your cutting edge. It makes you ineffective and it depletes you. And you'll be spending twice as much time, twice as much energy on the non-essentials of life. And goes back to, to Nehemiah, what I just shared. If you come down to fix the fool, you'll only become more like them. If you come down to fix the fool, and we've all done that. We've all met foolish people. I'm sure there's 10 people that come to our mind right now. We've all met foolish people. And if we think it's our job to fix the fool, are we going to fix them? No. no. You know, I mentioned briefly this morning the book of Proverbs where Solomon mentions that as well. And my dad has helped me with this over the past four years since I've been here as a pastor. So I've shared some stories with him about some things that have happened. And, and some, he's like, you know what you have there, son? He's like, sounds like you have a scorner on certain issues and what he was saying was the bible says rebuke not a scorner because they're not going to listen they're not going to listen at all right brother don i'm sure there's been some times in your life where you've had some scorners in your life and it does no good to try to rebuke them because they're not going to listen and i've i've been there but solomon is saying don't waste your energy on that don't waste your energy because what's going to happen is you're you're going to become just as much of a fool as them because you're probably going to lose it on them 
Don't allow a loud fool to distract you into being a fool yourself. <laughs> There's a lot of loud fools out there in our world, around this town, around this city, around this country. Contention, listen, begets contention. Strife breeds strife. So let's get practical. There are parents that provoke wrath on their children, don't they? I'm guilty of that. Sometimes I know what hits Nate's buttons and I just, I don't really care. <laughs> I know it's bad. But the Bible says, fathers provoke not your children to wrath, right? And really when I've done that, I'm no different than a fool. I am a fool. Because I'm provoking him to wrath and then it's almost like, how dare you, son? How dare you act like that? Well, he wouldn't have acted like that if I hadn't provoked him in the first place, right? So we have to realize that God's word gives us all the principles for life that we need. So again, there's parents that provoke wrath, and I could be guilty of this. Let's get a little deeper. There are spouses that provoke wrath, wrath in each other. I'm not going to look down right now. <laughs> Who said that? Mary Harry. I know. Right, exactly. But there are spouses that can instigate arguments. And it's like a fireplace poker stoking the fire. They're, they know what buttons to hit, and they know what buttons to push, so they can go off. That's fun. <laughs> That's fun. I hear you on that. <laughs> I hear you on that. But is it wise or is it foolish? It is. It's foolish. It, it can be funny if they take it in humor, but... As I've seen a lot of times, the humor eventually ends. Right, Amanda? That's what, it, that's what that immediately. part is, too. It's like, ah. Sometimes it's like not immediately. It's right after immediately, but it's, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But going even deeper, there are churches that have contention etched into their DNA. They love being a contentious church. We talked about that in our Ephesians series. They love arguments. They love accusations, and they're defined by those things. They love antagonizing because that's what drives them. And I have two staff guys that love watching other guys that do that. <laughs> that's all their Twitter feed. <laughs> it's pretty comical. They're showing me all the time, hey, look at this one. Great. Look at this fool. <laughs> but the key truth is this. Strife that produces strife cannot produce peace. Strife that produces strife cannot produce peace. Contention that thrives on contention cannot resolve contention. That is very important. Strife that produces strife cannot produce peace. Contention that thrives on contention cannot resolve contention. And as we mentioned this morning, as Solomon was saying with the tongue, don't let your tongue destroy your influence by being destructive, unreasonable, uncontrolled, and boastful. I'll throw those up there quickly. By being destructive, unreasonable, uncontrolled, and boastful. And then I think the final point tonight is this. Trivial purposes destroy valuable opportunities. Trivial purposes destroy valuable opportunities. Let's look at verse 16. We kind of skipped over this morning to go to the end of the chapter. Verse 16, it says, Woe to thee, O land! When thy king is a child, and thy princes eat in the morning, blessed art thou, O land. When thy king is the son of nobles, and the princes eat in the due season, for strength and not for drunkenness. By much slothfulness the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands the house droppeth through. A feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. Curse not the king, no not in thy thought, and curse not thy rich, uh, the rich in the bedchamber, for a burden the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. So again, trivial purposes destroy valuable opportunities. And I'm not going to go deep into this. We're kind of running out of time. But it's really about maturity and immaturity here is what these verses are setting up. And I've learned in my life, and I know you have as well, maturity doesn't always have to do with age, does it? No. no. Uh, there's a lot of people I've met in my life that are very old and are very immature. But I've also let, met older people that are very mature. 
Brother Don is one of those heroes for me. He's very mature and he's helped me a lot since I've been here in my ministry. But I've also met young people that were immature, and I've also met young people that are very mature. So it doesn't necessarily have to do with age. Maturity is really this. It's acceptance of responsibility. Realizing we have responsibility and accepting our responsibility. And Solomon closes in these verses talking about poor leadership. The truth is, listen, you cannot control someone that's in authority over you. You can't. That's the truth. You can't control others that are in authority over us. But we can control our responses to the opportunities that we've been given. Here's a simple synopsis of this text. Of this text. Good leaders take good care of their people. Bad leaders exploit their people. Good leaders are growing, competent, and servant-minded, but bad leaders are lazy, incompetent, and self-serving. So it's very easy to think about this in relation to other people, but all of us have the potential of leadership. Maybe someone in our lives that we are over, that we have rule over. So if you're a bad leader, you're going to be lazy, incompetent, self-serving all about yourself. But if you're a good leader, it's all about growing, being competent, being servant-minded. And that's, that's something I focus on with, uh, I, I try to focus on with the church, I try to focus on with my staff. There are certain aspects where, you know, Mike and Michael are very gifted. They're very good at it. They really are. And there's other areas that they're not. They know that. And it's not a slap on them. But one thing I've tried to, I've tried to help them with is that, most importantly, I want you to just be a servant. I want you to serve. It might be in an area where you're gifted. It might be in an area where you're not gifted. But to me, one of the true marks of a disciple, one of the true marks of a Christian is their servanthood, right? Mm -hmm. Their service to others. Because even Jesus Christ was willing to humble himself, wash his stinky, nasty disciples' feet. He gave us an example. He set an example before us. And it's very easy to like, I'm too good for that, right? But that's not the mark of a true Christ follower. A true Christ follower and someone that is choosing wisdom, again, we can look at all kinds of examples of in life and in our families or situations. We think about people, but uh, someone that is choosing wisdom is realizing, you know what? I don't really care what the situation is. I might not be gifted in this situation, but if someone asks me to do it that's in authority over me, you know what I should do? Do it. It's basically the same thing we're trying to teach our kids. Hey, Nate, Noah, if mom and dad ask you to do something, what should you do? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And do it. Okay, let's, let's get practical for adults. If someone in authority asks you to do something that is not immoral, unbiblical, what should you do? Do it. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Right? Do it. It's the same concept. It's no different just for our kids, but it's very easy for us to see it in our kids. Man, they are just so disrespectful, so blatantly rebellious. What about us? And this is, again, it's, it's thought-provoking, it's convicting, it's challenging. And again, as we closed out this morning, that last verse, watch what you say. This last verse is key to it all. The point is that those who are under authority are inevitably going to be frustrated with the authority. They're going to want to rant and rave and just go off on, on people again, like my story about texting my dad instead of texting my wife. Oh man, that was, that was a nightmare. Yeah, it was, it was a good laugh like many years later, but I think in my mind... In my mind, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my dad, so I'm, I'm wanting to text my wife, and I just pulled up my dad as I'm talking about my dad. So I should have double-checked, triple-checked. Actually, I shouldn't have sent it at all. It was really. But that, the, the, the key thing is watch what you say because it's going to come back to you. It's going to come back at you. And again, I, I've said things in confidence to people that I shouldn't have said about someone else, and it got out. And it's like, well, they shouldn't have said anything. I told them in confidence. Well, it doesn't matter. You probably shouldn't have said it to begin with. I probably shouldn't have said it to begin with. And again, parents and kids, that's a struggle. Wives and husbands, employees and bosses, citizens and leaders and presidents and Christians and church members with their pastor. But what, what we say seems too often have a way of coming back to us. And Solomon has been challenging us again what is valuable. To be intentional about what is valuable. He's telling us in this passage to guard against the trivialness. 
to guard against things that are folly, that are foolishness, that don't really matter. And really one of that key parts is that our tongue, our influence, our tongue can destroy any and all influence based on what we say, how we react, how we respond. Our foolishness destroys our opportunities that God might give us to serve Him. Our foolishness destroys our reputation. I want to have a good reputation. Not so others can say, man, look at this guy. He is awesome. No, I want to be well pleased by the Lord. I want God to be pleased with my life, my actions, my attitude, my responses. And I've said it before, and I'm not saying it in a flippant way, but I could care less if I please you if I'm pleasing Christ. Because that's what's most important. And that should be most important in your life. And if you're pleasing Christ, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be pleasing others around you. But if you're more worried about yourself and you're more focused on yourself, there's a good chance you're not going to be pleasing to Christ. And there's a good chance you're going to be leading a foolish lifestyle that's destroying your reputation, destroying your influence, destroying your opportunities. Folly is costly. It destroys all of these things. It brings disgrace. And as Solomon was teaching us, don't let the trivial derail you from the valuable. As Christians, we are called to be wise. As I close this morning, I kind of close with this. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Make sure your walk is always with wisdom. Redeeming the time, knowing that you don't have a lot of days left on this earth. The days that we have are evil. They're growing evil. They're growing more and more evil, more and more wicked every day. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, what the will of the Lord is. And this passage is understanding to be wise, to choose wisdom over foolishness. And the decision we must make as we leave this class tonight is this. Ask Jesus, Jesus, make me effective by helping me see the folly in my own life and help me walk away from that folly. Allow me to distinguish between the trivial so that I can focus on what's valuable. And that's the decision I want to leave you with tonight. That's what I want to challenge you this week. God, help me to be effective in my life. Help me to be effective to distinguish between what is smart, what is dumb, what is wise, what is foolish, what is trivial, what is valuable. And I can't tell you what is trivial in your life. You have to realize that for your own. I could probably help you understand some things, but it goes back to the glass plates and the plastic plates. Which is more important? Which is most important? The glass plates, if they break, it causes a lot of damage. If a plastic plate drops, you just get another plastic plate. It's not the big of a deal. The glass plate, your family, your relationships, your walk with God, that is most valuable. So choose wisdom over foolishness.